thankful you're here. You know, for 75 years, God has called a group of people in this place, in this city, in this community, to run into the spiritual battle. And, you know, we're, we're celebrating today what God has done in our past, but, but, but in this moment, we, we really need to do some work. Um, I, like probably all of you, have been just burdened and, and concerned about what I see in Ukraine and, and just what I see going on in the world. And so this morning, we need to go to the Lord and pray for Ukraine and pray for this situation. We just, we got to do that important spiritual battle of prayer. Um, you know, this, this week, uh, I, I serve as a trustee for the IMB, our International Mission Board, if you're not sure what that is. It's our, our missionaries that are deployed all over the world. And I am the, like right now, I'm serving as the, as the uh, vice chairman of the European peoples. And I was on a, on a Zoom call with, um, or a FaceTime call with Jacob Boss. Jacob is the head of all European missionaries from our, our SBC missionaries in all of Europe. You know what's amazing is Jacob grew up right across the fence from this building. And uh, he's over all of the European missionaries. And he just, we were just talking about just what's happening there. And I'll tell you, we need to pray today. So let's, let's go to the Lord. I, I also want to say before we pray, in our Bible studies today, we've given this out. And this is a, a prayer guide, 10 things that... Um, Send Relief is part of our, our entities that, we, that, that run into these things. And, and um, um, they've, they've given us 10 ways to pray. And it's on our social media. It's been given through our Bible studies. So we're not going to pray for all 10 in this moment, but I wanted to point you to that. I specifically want you to consider from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. today, that's when many are anticipating some shelling coming their way in Ukraine, and that's our time. So if the Lord so moves you, let's remember them today. But let's go to the Lord. Here you pray. Father, uh, today our, our, we, there's a heaviness in our world. There's a growing fear in our world of conflict. And Lord, your word has told us that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation and brother against brother. And Father, we're seeing your word unfold right in front of our eyes. And as your people called to this, this time, called to these days, Father, we want to run into the spiritual battle. Lord, right now, we want to pray for the people of Ukraine as tensions build and we pray for strength and courage and perseverance for protection. Father, this, uh, 
these are days that we get we 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 see it in our social media days that we're in and i pray for these people lord i pray for our government officials around our not only our nation but the world we pray for wisdom oh, lord we pray for wisdom we lift them to you as a, as a local church to pray for our leaders. Lord, give them wisdom. Father, we pray for the Ukrainian believers. Father, right now, there are believers in that country who are, who are light in the darkness. Lord, there are, there are Ukrainian Baptists that are, there, there are Christians of all over the nation, and I pray that you'd give them boldness today, strength today to share the gospel, to communicate the hope of salvation for us, Lord, for, for, for the tensions and fears that are rising among Europe and, and among our country. I pray that believers would, would overflow with hope. Father, for the, we, we, we come to you and pray for the Ukrainians and the Russians who never heard the gospel. We pray that eyes would be opened, hearts would be changed. For those in Europe and all over the world, for our nation, that, that we would be faithful to share the gospel. Father, I pray for Jacob. I pray that you would strengthen him even now. May he feel the prayers of your people. May our missionaries that are sacrificing so much in that part of the world, may, may you give them favor with those that are lost. Father, today as a church, on this day of celebration, we do not want to stop doing the work you've called us to do to run into the spiritual battle here all over our country and everywhere around the world. Father, we love you. Would you hear our prayers? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for praying with me. You know, um, it's amazing to me as I think about living in this place. I came here... 10 years ago, and I'd never heard of the port of Catusa. And uh, do you realize that, that, right, that you can get on a boat at Catusa, Oklahoma, and go to China? Is that weird or what? And that, that blows my mind that, that you can actually do that. It's like 12 miles from here. You can get on a boat and go to China. And there are goods and services that are, that are coming. Like, it's crazy to me. And, um, you know, as I, th as I thought about that being 12 miles from that port, that, 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 that's a picture of our church, of what God has done over the last 75 years. Think about what God has done over the last 75 years. The gospel uh, came to the end of the trail. You know, that's what Owasso means, right? It means the end of the trail. So at some point, the trail ended here. Now they extended 169 a little bit. So, um, but, but at some point, it ended here. But the gospel came here. 
and, and lives have been changed. And, and out of here have been pastors and missionaries and lay people. And, and it's like the Fort of Catoosa. They've gone all over the world. The, the Saucedas who, who are, who we're going to go help in New York City. You realize how cool that is, right? That, that, that was, Jordan grew up in Tulsa at Calvary and Becky grew up here. And they got married and now we're, they're starting a church. And they started a church in New York City. And, and all over the world, the gospel has traveled. And, and God's been writing this story. And Chad's done some research. And I'd mentioned this before, but according to our records, from 1980 uh, to 2001, okay, think about that 21-year period, 1980 to 2001, our church saw 771 people baptized. Since 19, or since 2001, the last 20 years, we've seen 1,607 people baptized. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. Um, that's 2,378 baptisms since 1980. Hey, let's clap for that. That's pretty awesome. And, um, and now here we are 75 years later, and the gospel continues to make a difference through us. And God is using his word to, to see lives change. And when I look at what God's done in our church, it, it's just really one of those Ephesians 3 stories that God's done immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're, we're in this book, and we're, we're just tracking through this book, and we're in chapter 1, verse 10. And uh, we're going to look at verses 10 through 12 today, which is, I think, a very important passage for this day. And I think God has something specific to say today through his word. Would you stand with me and let's look at verse 10. Now, we've, we've, if you were with us last week, we were in verses 3 through 9, and, and we saw the magnificence of salvation. Now, if you look at verse 10, it says concerning this salvation. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find the times and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you. Maybe seated. Now, now we've, we've already seen the book of 1 Peter, and, 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 I, and I've already said this, but I think it's important to highlight. And this is something we'll see over and over again as we engage this book, that, that salvation is our greatest gift. And this is something we're trying to, we need to learn to understand. We need to grow up in our salvation, Peter will tell us in, in chapter 2. But, but, but we, we, it's beneficial for us to understand how big salvation is. And over and over again in this book, we're going to see the magnificence of it. And truly, our salvation by Christ is, a, is magnificent. And it's the greatest gift. You realize that you need a relationship with Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take, right? Everybody do this. Everybody take a breath. Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah? Um, you, know, you know what? You need a relationship with Christ more than you need that. Because there's going to be a day that, that stops for all of us. 
And, and that's when our relationship with Christ will, like we looked at last week in verses 3 through 9, that would be inheritance day for us. That's the day that we, we see the Lord face to face. Now, now look at chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, let's look how big it is. Let's look how magnificent it is. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. Now, now let's think about how, uh, what has happened to us. You realize that salvation has been revealed to us. Grace has come to us. Grace came to the end of the trail. And, and when it came to the end of the trail, it wasn't meant to stay here. It was meant to continue to be proclaimed. And see, that's the salvation message. And, and the, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, what did these prophets do? They searched intently. Peter says, with the greatest care. And they were like getting these messages going, okay, wait a minute. I get this message of grace coming. I get this message of, of, of okay, wait, God's forgiveness coming. And they're searching intently with the greatest care, trying to find the times and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing as they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Notice that this passage talks about these prophets, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Zechariah, these, these prophets that, uh, that were, were, were tr- getting these messages from God about grace, about suffering. See, they were getting these messages that God in the flesh would enter human history and he would suffer on the cross, and it was an act of grace and forgiveness, and it was revealed to them. They were not serving themselves. Oh, wait a minute. We're not serving our people. We're serving you and me and these people in, in like, like Peter writes to the, the, the people in um, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, these, these early church believers that were facing tough times in the world. And you see, it's important to know when, you, when, when you're facing tough times in the world, we may be moving into a, a season of tough times in the world, right? But I'll tell you, God, His grace has come to us. And, and these prophets were serving us. And, and I think it's interesting when they predicted the sufferings of Christ. We see salvation has been revealed. But you also see something that's very important about salvation. You know it's been passed from person to person. That's how salvation travels. That God said, I'm going to speak from, to one person and then you're going to keep sharing the gospel. That's why those, sal- those salvation numbers are so very important because it's a history of our church. It's a record of our church passing on the message of salvation from person to person. And that's still God's plan. And I think about what's going on in Ukraine right now as I've watched believers that have taken a stand. And Jacob told me stories of, of Christians that are taking a stand and sharing the gospel. And let me tell you something, people are open to the gospel. Here's what tough times bring, openness to the gospel. And, and, and what's interesting, the salvation was passed. But, but these prophets, they look at this passage, they search intently with the greatest care, trying to find the times and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when they predicted these sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. 
Don't you realize that, that when Christ came into your life, glories came to us. Salvation has produced glories. What are some of those glories? Well, it's the forgiveness of sin. You realize that, that sin is your greatest problem. The Bible reveals this, that, that sin is our greatest struggle. And, and, and the part of the message of salvation has come to us. What part of the glory of salvation is that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, forgiveness is available to you. Oh, aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful for forgiveness? And that's part of the glory. You know what? Another glory that has been revealed is the indwelling Holy Spirit because the second you come to faith in Christ, what happens? The Holy Spirit indwells you. And when the Holy Spirit indwells you, guess what? You immediately feel uh, a sense of power and a sense of hope and a, a sense of conviction. You, you, you get a, 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 a correction and leadership. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is part of the glories that have come to us, that the Holy Spirit indwells us. He does that for every believer, every follower of Christ. But, but not only is the Holy Spirit part of the glory, do you know another glory that, that is revealed? It's eternal life. You realize that the day you draw your last breath, that's inheritance day. That's the day, like we looked at last week, where we receive the inheritance that's been given to us. And notice what these prophets came to understand. Look, look at this passage. I think it's verse 11. Um, I, I lose the numbers when I memorize it. But, but it says it was revealed to them. It was revealed to these prophets that they were not serving themselves, but you and me. By, they, they spoke of these things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And you know, when I look at this passage, it's, it's fascinating. The, the, the prophets, they, they, they serve their generation by boldly saying, look, salvation is available to you. They, they also served us by, by preparing preachers to, to come and preach. And, and I look at the, the line of preachers that have filled this pulpit and come to this church. I'm number eight in the line of preachers here. And you know what? God has been faithful to call preachers to, to go preach to the world. Right now in Ukraine, there are preachers that are called to stand and proclaim the message of Christ. And, and at every point in history, there are preachers called to proclaim the message. God raises up Christians to go and share the gospel. It's not just a preacher's job. What's a preacher's job? It's to, it's to equip the church for the gospel proclamation. It's not just my job. It's our job to share the gospel. And, and I'll tell you, the, now, now more than ever, right? As I, as I wrestled through the news this weekend, now more than ever are people in need of hearing the gospel of Christ. This is not a time for followers of Jesus to shrink back. This is not a time for churches to, to, to get a little, little soft in our gospel proclamation. This is not a time for us to look back and go, oh man, it was good back then. It's a time to go, Lord, let's run into the battle today, right now. Steve, I've missed you. I missed that guy. It's time to run into the battle. That's our calling. And when I look at this passage, this, 
this message of salvation, do you know what it comes with? It comes with generational responsibilities. That you and I have a generational responsibility in this church. Do you know that I have finally, uh, it was a year and a half ago, I preached the last funeral of the founding church members in this church. Nobody in our church was here at the beginning. The baton has been passed to every one of us. Now, Earl Spicklemeyer is still around. He's been very clear to tell me, Chris, I came year two. I wasn't here year one. I was like, all right, Earl, I'll get that, I'll get that history right. But, but let me tell you, as I look around, the, the baton has been passed to us. And we're standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. I'm, I'm doing that. Roger Ferguson's here. Roger, I want you to come out. He's back over here, I think. And uh, um, I'm standing on his shoulders. He and I are the, um, I think he's back here. Right here. He'll come out in a second. <laughs> There he is. There you go, Roger. Sorry. Um, give Roger a hand. Give him a hand. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, these people all came to the second service, and so we don't have any time crunch. We can go as long <laughs> as we want. Um, I was so involved listening to the sermon, I thought, oh, it's time to go out. I didn't yeah, realize that's that. Right, so, that's right. You know, um, God use this man in this church, in this community. And Roger, I'm so glad you're here. And I want to thank you for being a pastor that has faithfully shared the gospel in this community and in this body. Thank you. And I'll tell you what, I am, let's give him a hand. Let's give him another hand. It's an honor. So, Yeah, good. I'll keep doing that. We're never getting out of here for lunch. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I'm good. That's good. Okay, Roger, I just want to process yeah. together today okay. just like how you've seen God at work just through your, your time, through history, just share what you've seen God do. Well, well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. And, and I am so excited about the future and what the Lord has for us. Mm-hmm. And I am looking forward to it. We, uh, we were in a church in Texas and um, raising family and such as that. And it was a good church, but we sensed God maybe had a move in store for us. And uh, at that time, well, let me just say this. Don't ever tell God what you're not going to do because mm-hmm. he will have you do that, okay? Oh. And so, so uh, I, write that down. That's uh, really good. I, 
I just, we pastored in, in uh, the western part of the state and gone through some difficult times in the oil bust over there. I said, I don't think I want to move back to Oklahoma. Well, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, okay? So that's exactly what happened. We got a call from uh, Tom Lackey and the pastor search committee, and they invited us up to uh, look, at, look over the area. I remember riding around with Tom and Randy Thomas and Dale Pride and some of those and, and seeing that, that God was really at work here and hearing their hearts. And they said, we know we need to make some changes. We just need to be guided into that. And so we agreed to come in view of a call. And uh, we came, and I asked for a time on Saturday night because I'd studied the community, and I looked at it and saw that the average age moving here was 30 at the time. And I just asked, I said, can we just talk about it? Because if I come, here's some things I'm going to ask us to do. You've had a great past. God has a great future in store. But they're going to be different and unique. And one of the ladies stood up and said, you know, that's not the way we've done church. But if we need to do that, our kids aren't coming. Our grandkids aren't coming anywhere. Or if they are, they're going to Tulsa. But if we need to do that, then that's what we're going to do. And I will tell you, they were so unselfish and driving around with Dale Pride one day, and he said, and we were talking about it, and I just felt like God was saying in my heart, I'm moving people here that are lost, and I need a church unselfish enough to move them to me. Hmm. And I thought, wow. We came in, and, and we I shared with them what, to, what I'd like to ask them to do. And we had the vote on Sunday night after church, after we preached. And, and it was unanimous, which in itself is more proof that there is a God, okay? Because <laughs> you, you, uh, you get, you know, four Baptists together, and there's seven opinions among the whole group of them. And so, you know. That, that sounds but, like he's been there before. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And, and we came and began a 14-year journey with Jesus and the saints at First Baptist. And uh, a lot of times it wasn't easy. A lot of times we weren't exactly sure, but we prayed. We faced hard choices, painful times. But the great shepherd led us. And I'll tell you, the thing that moved our hearts to come here was the genuine humility of the people and a willingness to honor the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what. Amen. Amen. You know, when I I think back of our history, you... You moved from El Tequila. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 that's our former church. If you go to the, that's our old building. If you stand <laughs> in the foyer of El Tequila and look up by the fountain, you'll see our choir mics. So yeah. I wasn't being disrespectful yeah. right there. Little First Baptist history. Yes, right. Um, you moved from there to the PAC mm-hmm. and built this building. Right. And the day you moved in, it was... You had to go to two services. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, it was wall-to-wall people, 1,100-some people that day that we, we had in there. We'd gone through experiencing God and, and learned that, you know, God is always at work and to move people to Him. There were fresh winds blowing. And when that was, when that was happening, it's not about people. It's about souls yes. that have dreams, that have hurts, that have difficult times, and 
God was just moving in such a super way. And, and we moved in, into this place. You need to understand, Miss Johnson lived in a house down on the, on the uh, edge of this property. And, and we couldn't find land. And, and she came, and, and, or we came to her. Charles Edwards went to her and said, hey, we're looking for a place to build a, a church at. Would you consider selling your land? And, and in doing that, she said, I've had people come and ask me about this land. I didn't want to sell it but I think maybe God may be in this. We had that prayer time out here on the service, on that land. And she said, I know that the Holy Spirit is at work here, and I want to make a donation to buy this land. <laughs> now, the person that owns the land making a donation to buy the land, that is pretty amazing. That's a God thing that happens right there. Uh, but we, we were in this place, and one of the things that got me to thinking about, about this was on 9-11. We all remember how that shook America to its core. We had four prayer services that week. And in the last two prayer services, there were some people coming in who were Hispanic, and they didn't know how to speak the language. But they came. They were day laborers. And when they came in, I said, what's... Um, through an interpreter, I said, can we help you? Can we do something? And they said, no, we don't understand the language, but we feel the presence of God. Mm. Folks, you can't, you can't make that up. Mm -hmm. And right then, God is saying, across language barriers, across everything, we need to be doing that. When we came into this building, it was a sign that, that it, it was a great milestone, but it's not the end. It's a new beginning, a fresh start for everything. That God is already at work. I, I remember thinking in, in just some scriptures I was going through in, in, my, in my journaling time and, and thinking, you know, there's a lot of people moving here, but there's a lot of people that are being ignored too. And I wrote in my journal, and I found it uh, here a few, uh, a few months ago, said, we're missing some people. And I wrote these words. It says, if we, because of, the scripture was about, if you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. It said, if you, we will welcome the marginalized and struggling that others ignore, he'll send the workers and resources to grow a healthy church. Amen. Amen. God was already at work. Some people got a real heart for the for the under-resourced and the hurting. Mike Napier was our missions pastor, and he shepherded that whole thing through there. I just really, my part was to stand back in awe and go, wow. Mm -hmm. To say it even backwards, wow. Mm -hmm. Look what God's doing. Mm -hmm. This is pretty amazing. And, and we had that food pantry and the, and the clothes closet and then the building down on uh, downtown. And now, now the building, oh, man, it's just exciting to watch what God does through faithful, faithful people uh, to him. Um, things changed down through time. We did uh, 11 years of faith, and that's where every Monday night people were learning how to share the gospel and, and then going out and, and uh, sharing their testimony and leading people to the Lord, seeing them baptized, seeing them plugged into Sunday school and other discipleship groups, seeing them grow. And our final faith semester, we were here, we had 144 saints and 48 teams going out. There were many people that said, I've worked 14 hours a day. I almost said, it's too hard. I don't want to go. But they came. God did something on their faith team. And they said, I'm so glad I didn't say no when God was calling. You know, when I, when I think about mm -hmm. what I appreciate about you, Brother Rogers, that 
I've often heard people say I was saved mm. when I was under your leadership. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the Lord used you in those ways. Let me ask yeah. you a question. Yeah. Final question. Um, what would you say to our church body as we move into this next 75 years? Yes. What I would say is the gospel never changes. The methods are, are always changing. We don't do faith anymore. But there's better ways to disciple people. We stopped our television ministry and we went to streaming. But I, what I would say is, is God's going to call us to stretch, sometimes to get out of our comfort zone, sometimes to do things. Maybe it's not done 100% the way we want it, but we pull together. Uh, there was one person that when we made the relocation, they knew it was the right thing to do, but they didn't want to do it. And he said, I want to be, and I don't want any He's in heaven now, so I can say this, but he said, I don't want anything. But he said, I want to make the first donation. Came to my office on Monday. And he said, here it is. And he gave me a silver dollar. And I thought, well, that's nice, you know. Um, I took it down and got it appraised and sold it. it was, or some of my men took it down and got it appraised and sold it. It was over $700. Hmm. I'm, I'm glad we didn't buy some cookies with yeah, that yeah, or buy, something, buy, you know, yeah. I mean, that would have been They've a bad a box deal. Of Twinkies. Yeah, really, really, yeah, you know, but God's favorite math is multiplication. Man, when things go wrong, there's division. Now, sometimes we divide the truth, but most of the time we just divide over preferences, just wanting it our way. And, uh, and so, you know, ministry is done in teams and what we want to do, I think, and what I would say to this, this body is, let Scripture speak. America is broken. Chris has done a good job. It just, it seems like post-pandemic, there, there's just more anger and more um, hating. And, and, and what we need is a Jesus-loving, Satan-hating church that just believes God's best work is ahead for us. And we don't want to miss out on what God, Almighty God is doing. Man. And Chris, I thank you for your leadership. I told the early service this, and I'll tell, I'll tell you guys, this guy is a keeper. And, and you, need to, you need to support him and encourage him and, and, and pray for him. And understand what it says in this scripture. It said this was not done for us. This was done for you. And we want to be able to, to say good things are coming. All these things that God has done in the past is to, is to happen for an amazing 2022. We can talk all day long about how the church grew from 250 to 1,300, where we've got on mission teams and all. And that is all great. And we need to celebrate that. But what happens now that the baton is in your hand mm -hmm. and moving on? Great days are coming. And I'll just do this, and Chris did this earlier, but I believe it. But it just, just take a deep breath, everybody. Another one. One more. Do you know 9,270 people die a day that were breathing yesterday? But God has left you and I and this church alive to show the light. Anyone can just get overwhelmed with problems. It, it takes an amazing church to, to seek the Lord's will and find the solutions to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment. And I'll tell you, there was a man when we moved to relocate. He wanted to have lunch with me, Chris. And I didn't know him. He was very prominent in the community. Many of you would know him. 
if I called his name and he said, if you try to relocate that church, that church is going to split. And I knew in my heart he was wrong. He was describing maybe an average church, but he was not describing this church where Jesus is king and he is the hero of the story. So I want to say this. The next 75 years are going to be great. I believe Mission Owasso is growing. I believe the Mission Church is, has got some fantastic things ahead of it. I believe that in this world where everything is unraveling and falling apart, God is bringing together a people whom he has formed for himself to declare his praise forevermore. And it's going to be exciting. It's good to be on this side of the Red River, and it's good to hear what God's doing in First Owasso. And my friends, my new friends, the best is yet to be. To God Almighty be the glory. Amen. You know, I, I want to... I for 14 years, he stood here to share the gospel. And, and I'll tell you, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. I'm grateful for the legacy. And he's limping because I've been standing on his shoulders for the last <laughs> 10 years. Um, but we are, we are grateful for you. And I, we love you. And Thank we are you. thankful that God used you in so many incredible ways. I, I want to do something in this room. Our Mission Life Challenge, every, every week. We have a specific mission life challenge. And uh, you can either write this, text it, but I'd prefer you just walk up and do it face-to-face. If you were in this church when Dale Blackwood was here, would you stand in this room? When Dale Blackwood was here, st- keep standing. Don't, don't sit down, keep standing. Um, we are... Sue's back there, and I'm glad Patsy was sitting between you two because y'all don't act good in church sometimes. <laughs> um, um, folks, we are standing on these people's shoulders. If you have their cell phone number, you ought to text them or call, write them a letter, or you can just go up to them and say, introduce yourself and say, thank you. Um, I, one of my greatest honors in ministry, Sue, was to preach your husband's, to know him, first of all, and to be able to share the gospel the day he went home to be with the Lord. And um, we are so honored to love you. Carol, don't sit sit, sit down. Y'all don't sit down yet. Keep standing. All y'all stand up. Because people need to come find you. We're all going to stand up here in a minute. You need, hey, Steve. Come on, Dustin, you guys. Uh, Brian, you got, you got, you're an athlete. Or your wife is. Um, um, sorry. I'm trying to do an invitation and I'm messing it all up. But, but we st- we're standing on their shoulders. We're grateful. If you were here during Roger's time, would you stand? You're here. These are the people we need to go thank and go thank you. Um, So I want to challenge you specifically to either write a letter, send a text, or just go up to them and say thanks. 
you know, great work has been done over the last 75 years. And we are grateful for our past. But let me tell you something. The, the world still needs Christ. That's right. Amen. And so we must continue to be a church that, in, that runs into this spiritual battle. That that's who we got to be. Like, like in times are tough, the book of 1 Peter, times are tough. And, and what did God, what did Peter say? Let's go, we got some work to do, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, we got some work to do. This is not the time to shrink back. I want us to all to stand. If you need Christ today, do you realize the Bible was written so that we can know how to have eternal life? We're going to have an invitation and, and um, I'll come to Jesus. Oh, oh my goodness. You need him. Do you know how quick? I mean, one weekend of tragedy in the world and this entire world recognizes our need of God. Hey, we need him. You need him. Come to him. Some of you need to pray for the next 75 years. As Joe leads us, let's seek the Lord for our church. Let's follow the Lord. Let's, let's be faithful all of our days. Joe, lead us.